Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Town Network. That's right, it's me hosting this week. I'm Kevin, and joining me for the first time ever on some super late notice via text message, Justin, welcome to the program. Hey, how you guys doing there? It's Justin here. Welcome back, Justin. Justin and I went to Penn State together, graduated in 2017, 2018, respectively, and uh, passionate about Penn State football, and I needed a co-host, so he's happy to join us. <laughs> Justin, Penn State plays Michigan this weekend. It's Penn, It's another chance for James Franklin to face a top-10 program. He's not had success against them this year, but I think Penn State can hold Michigan to less than 418 yards, unlike they were able to do last year. Yeah, yeah, I think they can... Uh probably cut that in at least half i would think seems pretty reasonable i i certainly think so i think less than 200 yards really less than i'd, I'd hope that they can hold it to less than 150 yards i i think they need to force jj mccarthy to win this game um this is this is yeah. michigan's first this is michigan's first true test michigan has for sure, for 100 111th strength of schedule this year out of 133 FBS programs they've played nobody and like Corum hasn't been what he's been uh in the last year and no and Donovan Edwards is basically non-existent this year compared to what he was last year um last year during the game he absolutely smoked us I remember watching a game, you know, you worry about Blake Corum the whole time, and then this Donovan Edwards guy comes out of nowhere and just doubles Don or Corum's numbers. Yeah, it seemed every every possession Michigan had, it was a 60 or 70 yard run from either Edwards or Corum, and that's how you get 40, 400 yards a game. But no doubt. See, it looks like uh, Chop Robinson should be back. He was practicing. Potentially a mean Vanover's back. Both of those star defensive ends. You get that six-person rotation back on defensive end, and you can run three defensive ends. They're able to get pressure against Maryland um, without chop, without a mean, and we're also able to do that against Indiana. But Michigan's offensive line is not Indiana. It's not Maryland's. It's a much better offensive right. line. So being able to run the three defensive end package will only amp up the pressure on on J.J. McCarthy and force him to throw to really only Roman Wilson. Right, right. And, um, I mean, I guess Loveland is there at times, but I'm Roman Wilson's definitely their guy. I mean, what, 10 touchdowns this year and uh, what, half, half a thousand to 500 yards? I mean, he's his go-to guy. Yeah, so... And that being said, I mean, I think our offense needs to step up and the places that we're kind of talking about that Michigan's being good at. I think the run game needs to pick up and we need to get a little bit more than Andre Lambert Smith going on the pass game. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. It doesn't seem like Trey Wallace is going to be back. Uh, kind of had that shoulder collarbone looking hit a couple of games uh-huh. ago. So he missed last week. Uh, I don't think he'll be back. So it's going to follow Dante Cephas. Dante Cephas looked formidable last week. Um, had Penn State's second only game this year, or third only game this year, with two receivers having six or more receptions. Um, right. So if you get Cephas going with KLS, you get that formidable size. And Cephas isn't the biggest wide receiver, but they have a big wide receiver on the on the team who hasn't had a catch since week three, and that's Malik McClay. Yes. It, it's his uh, third week of an expanded role. 
with the injury of Trey Wallace. Have they gotten him back comfortable? Have they built the trust back with Drew Aller to, you know, make sure that he's not going to drop the ball and yeah. drop two first down yeah. passes in a row? And for sure, I agree. I was I went to the first game this year, and you know, you go there and you see that like, oh man, who's this? This number? Uh, what is he? Eleven? He's doing great catching stuff. And then week two, he just looked like he was a completely different person. Yeah, and. It, if you watched him when he got into the game, I think it was the Indiana game, like he was just lost out there, but he had lost his role. He hadn't played in six weeks. I, I don't think right. it's indicative of, of his potential. I think it's one of those things where, excuse me, he just needs to get comfortable and they've not given him the opportunity to get comfortable, but they have a chance with Michigan. And I think they are going to need to pass the ball against Michigan. Michigan is going to sell out to stop the run. The only way you can get Michigan to stop selling out against the run is Drew Aller to throw for 275, 300. And you do that with right. three wide receivers on the field. Yep. And now, that being said, we do have Tyler Warren. Um, that man is crazy. He's very good, very reliable. But it seems to be that we like to only use him in the end zone. And that only helps you when you're inside the red zone. So I think that's going to be a key factor is getting into the red zone. And like you said, we're going to need the help from the other pass catchers to get there. Yeah, I think I think Michigan's only given up one touchdown from the red zone this year. But we mentioned their strength of record. We mentioned right. their strength of opponent. They've not faced an offense of Penn State's caliber as Penn State is starting to get up. And they've been playing from the lead. And when you're playing with a lead of 40 or 50 points, like they've been doing all season long, Mm -hmm. you get to take a little bit more risks. There's also a few other factors at play with Michigan and uh, potentially being a good defense. Uh, We'll dive into that and some more (laughs) storylines when we come back on the second segment of Lashing Out Podcast on the Nippy Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. I'm Kevin. Joining me for the first time again is Justin. Justin, we alluded to the first segment. It's been all over ESPN and Fox and CBS. Anywhere you looked where there was sports coverage, it was covered. Michigan's in a bit of a bind with their uh, so-called cheating scandal. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, That's something that I definitely try to at least take a look at every day. Kind of, you know, I hope that something kind of happens. I mean, my best man at my wedding is a Michigan fan, so it gives me a little bit of a, um, a little knife to stab at him and make fun of him, a little jab here and there. But, yeah, no, it's it's something that, like, I, I get you're going to – you're not going to be able to keep that out 100% of the time. And scouting is part of the game, but this is something to a whole other level in my eyes. Yeah, we've had, we've had a good example or a good analogy of this in baseball, right? The Houston Astros – and several other teams who've gotten swept under the rugs, the Red Sox, the Yankees, who I happen to be a fan of, they were all using some sort of digital technology to steal signs. Stealing signs is part of baseball. If you watch the third base coach and he gives the person the bunt sign, and he gives that bunt sign again to the next batter, the defense is probably going to pick up on that. Yeah. But they're watching it. They're observing it with their eyes. They're not, they're maybe writing it down, but they're not recording it, right? They're not. Yeah pumping they're not pumping the pitch they're not reading the pitch sign 
from the catcher and banging a trash can when the off-speed pitch is coming. These yeah, are things that these are things that Michigan's doing, right? They're they're going to the games. They've been to 35 forward opponent games in 17 stadiums, focusing cameras exactly on the opponent's sideline and the corresponding play after it. For sure. Um, yeah, there's there's difference between between being well prepared and just blatantly going out of your way to I guess be even more prepared. I don't know how to even explain it, but like I don't know if you saw the video or not of the Michigan Ohio State game last year where they had the camera on stallions on the sideline and they all the sideline players were pumping their hands up in the air and said, Run right, run right, and sure enough, it was a run right, and guess what? Michigan had three D linemen right there to stop the run. I mean, you guys, it's it's not even fair when you know what's coming. But being being prepared and focusing on in game what's happening, that's a different story. You know, that's fair. But this is something that I'm not entirely a fan of. And if you catch the straight sign on TV because they were doing that low sideline cam, grabbing both like the coaching staff and the defense, and you grab that sign. You're grabbing one and just happen chance that ESPN got it or Fox got it or CBS got it. It's not mm-hmm. going and focusing a camera solely on there. And it's this has been outlawed since 94. And it seems that Michigan is blatantly doing it. There's stuff floating around about Ohio State Rutgers feeding signs to Purdue for the Big Ten championship game. I was going to say, I think, yeah, it was to Purdue. And is that illegal? Is it a bending of a rules yes however you look at it and it's like they're looking at their game film and giving their game film to purdue it's not an organized thing and ohio state has this vendetta against michigan and Rutgers hates playing michigan as well and Mm -hmm. it's not as organized it's not like purdue was seeking out this information and brent bielema came out this year this week and was talking about when he was a ga like he knew GAs and other assistants and like if they did this with their hands that they were going to switch up personnel and like right. this is information that gets passed. It's exactly. not a it's not a collaborative planned effort organized by let's be real probably the head coach at this point in time. Like there's no way that Harbaugh doesn't know that this is going on despite yeah. what he said. And And if you go back to Two years ago, at the end of the season, people were Michigan fans were calling for his head. They they wanted him out of there. They said, "Oh, his last chance." And next thing you know, it's a flip of a switch. You beat Ohio State, you make the playoffs. It's like, okay, we're doing good now. What changed? And the next last year, it happened again. It's like, well, now we're starting to see what changed. It's it's a lot easier to win when you're filming your opponents. Yeah, and you're doing so in a manner disingenuous to game yeah. sportsmanship. And this is like point shaving for the White Sox in the World Series. It's anti-competitive. And people want to talk about like how suspending Harbaugh or banning Michigan from the playoff would be unfair because these allegations just came out of nowhere. Okay, it, it might be unfair to Michigan players to ban them from the playoff, but how fair is it to Penn State who loses – last year potentially how do, how does how does a team give up 418 yards rushing yeah. in a game how oh yeah. they knew that the the linebackers were going to shift right to the or shift to the offensive right blitz on the c gap 
oh, and Michigan just so happens every time to have a left seat, like an off-tackle run to the left where the defensive mm-hmm. void is. That Those are things that you, gra- you grab from knowing defensive play calls. Yeah. That's the anti-competitiveness of it. And is it fair to Penn State's players? Is it fair to Ohio State's players? TCU is the only one who knew about it and had time to change it. And they, yeah, and they busted they, Michigan up. They're uh-huh. the only team to beat Michigan, really, in the past couple of years. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, look what happens when they use that against you. Like you said, you just got beat up by a team that got absolutely blown out in the national championship game. All because look like- they called the dummy blitz to the right side of the offense and happened to fill the blitz the gap where the running back was running. Or this yeah. is just just to continue that example, but like. That's mm-hmm. the anti-competitiveness, and it's unfair to the other programs who aren't doing this advanced scouting. The one thing to stop this is give quarterbacks headsets. Give the middle linebacker headsets. I don't think the yeah. NCAA is doing that, and I do not expect anything to happen to Harbaugh before Saturday. Tomorrow's, right, a, fe- no. tomorrow's yep, a federal that's... holiday. It's a bank holiday. Courts are closed. It's the observance of, Met- of Veterans Day. If you know a veteran, thank them for their service, thank them for their sacrifice to this country. Um. So I don't expect anything to happen before t- before Saturday for Harbaugh. It, the NCAA, it sounds like the Big Ten has to wait for the NCAA because Michigan sent that letter to the Big Ten in response to Big Ten saying, hey, we're going to punish you with suspend me and I'll sue you is basically the, the gist of the letter. And it's like, if you don't let the NCAA do their stuff, I've got about, I think they had like 13 Michigan State representatives ready to go and sue the NCAA, and they had the most yeah. expensive law firm in D.C. ready to go. So yeah. I don't think anything yeah. is happening to Harbaugh before Saturday. Um, but the question is, has Penn State's known about it? Has Penn State had the time to change enough signals? Because Michigan has them. Let's be real. Michigan has their signals. Has, has yes. Penn State had enough time to I, change I think their so. Signals? So what? It- it's it's been what almost it's been about two weeks since like the real big brunt of this has come out maybe even a little bit longer. Um, I I don't know how you're can't prepare for something like that in that amount of time. Like this has been going on long enough that a any well uh, prepared Division One football coach should be ready for this. But there's also been other things that James Franklin has done in the past that I question. So we'll see how prepared he has his team. I would say if they've not done the necessary things to change the play calls, uh, we could be in for another long game on Saturday. And if they've gone through the necessary changes to make sure all the signs are changed or changed enough to the point where Michigan can't get a good beat on it, I think we have a fair fight. And Penn State, I think, has a chance to win this game. But yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think ESPN right now has the game. It's like 50-50 on the split. So, I mean, there's everybody's looking like it's it's going to be a pretty fair game now. Yeah, and so some keys to win. I, I just think the defense needs to get home. Um, if if Penn State's going to win this game, it's, it's going to be by the defense. We saw what the defense did against Ohio State, which has probably mm-hmm. a better offense than Michigan does. Um, oh, no doubt. Because Michigan's known defensive play calls all season long. JJ McCarthy, <laughs> JJ McCarthy has been pressured 34 times in the last three games. Um, the best pass rush that they that Michigan has faced was the number 63 ranked pass rush in the country, and that was Purdue. Penn State has the fourth best yeah. pass rush in the country. 
This is yeah. this is a pass rush that Michigan's offensive line has not seen before. This is a pass rush JJ McCarthy has not seen before. And exactly. if you're the number four pass rush in the country, obviously you're one of the best. And that's going to be the meat and potatoes. And if Johnny Dixon and Kalen King can do what they do on the back end, if KJ Winston, Daquan Hardy, Jalen Reed, all of those guys, if Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs are just pure difference makers at the second level, Penn State's defense is going to give them a chance to win. Yeah, definitely. And and I think the amount of depth, like you said before, um, especially across the D-line, you know, Dennis Sutton, he is over the last couple of games with uh, Chop Robinson being out. You know, he's he's a young player that has, has stepped up and really starting to fill into what they thought he was going to be coming in. You know, he's getting more play time. He's making bigger plays. So I'm, I'm excited to see the depth play, too, because they have the potential now that all these other uh, – Big time schools have, which I feel like it took quite a while to get there, but I think I think we're finally getting there. Yeah, building in depth is hard for any program, and if you if you lay an egg in a season like Penn State did in twenty twenty, you are going to lose your depth because your recruiting class that year is going to be screwed. And yeah. when you miss when you miss a recruiting class, you miss your depth. That's excuse me, that's plain mm-hmm. and simple. You're playing catch up for three years, and Penn State's three years removed from that. So we'll see how that goes. We'll catch you guys on the backside of this break for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Sound Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. I'm Kevin, joined by guest host Justin. Justin. Weather on Saturday, 49-29, partly cloudy. Winds will be 9 miles an hour with a 7% chance of rain. It's going to be a noon noon kickoff on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff, so that game will take 8 hours to complete. Penn State is a a 4.5 underdog with an over-under of 45.5. Justin, do you see Penn State getting the win on Saturday? I think they do. I think they pull it out in the last last drive game winning drive um it's gonna be close i'd said i i wanted to go to this game i've been wanting to go to it but i don't want to go also to be disappointed so it's gonna be a good game um no it's it i think they're gonna pull it out like i said what do you have a final score for oh i'm thinking probably let's say 27 to 28 Penn State wins 28-27. Yes. All right. Yep, they're gonna I think they're gonna drive down the field and score a touchdown late in the game. Okay. So I don't have Penn State winning this game. Oh purely because I, I can't let myself get disappointed by the James Franklin Again. I, I, I just can't <laughs> do it. The the record against Big Ten teams yeah. that are that are not the cupcakes the the records against michigan and ohio That's state the records awful. against top 10 ranked teams it's his record as an underdog which you're an underdog you're supposed to lose those games but his record as an underdog you, you kind of want to win a few more of those and yeah after last year seeing what michigan was able to do on offense granted their run game is not anything what they were i i, I do not like jj mccarthy for whatever reason i just i just can't stand the guy <laughs> but the dude just throws up absolute prayers and his receivers come down with it. The run game, if it's any yeah. sort of competent, if it's any sort of thing, like what it is, what it was last year, it's just, mm-hmm. 
do I want Penn State to win? With every fiber of my being, if if Penn State can get one against Michigan and Michigan can somehow beat Ohio State, Penn State's in the Big Ten Championship. They all three have one loss. Penn State wins the Big Ten Championship. They have an outside look in to potentially sneak into that four spot in the college football playoff. The transitive property doesn't really work with the college football <laughs> playoff committee, but it it gives you that hope. I just I just don't think they get it done. I have Penn State losing to Michigan twenty four to twenty. I I just think the offense could have a chance to go for that game winning drive, and uh, I just don't think I, they're going to pull it out. I want to believe that they can pull it off. Don't <laughs> believe me. I I want to believe that they can yeah. pull it out. I I just have to temper myself because I lost money. I lost my hard-earned American dollars uh, on the Ohio State game. On this granted, team. granted, it was only five of them, but you know they were they were hard-earned. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't I just can't lead myself to it. So, no, and I agree. And how many times since? Well, even like you said, since we were back in school, how many times have they led a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter? Not many that I can remember, if any at all. No, I mean if you think about it, the only really big fourth-quarter comeback was Minnesota. In 2016, yeah. and then you have the block six, which let's be real, it was a flute. Yeah, like, like oh, that's just it's just an absolute freak play that happens. And cre- I mean, credit to Marcus Allen for making just, the, for making the play, but that you, that doesn't happen. So it's just a complete shift of momentum that sw- swings a game your way, and that doesn't happen, like you said, ever. No. Very rare. All right, other games around the country: Alabama faces off against Kentucky noon on ESPN. <sighs> I don't think I don't think Kentucky's anything to threat at. Uh, no. Florida State's at home against Miami. That could be a little bit of a trap game if uh. you've been following the podcast at all. Uh, I hate Florida State this year, so I, I have to get <laughs> I have to get my dig into them. Uh, just just this year. I mean, I hate Florida State every year. I just I have a personal vendetta against the people who keep voting them as the number one team in the country. There's three yeah. of them this week, and I I don't know uh. who those three people are, but I think they need a psyche eval. Um, <laughs> Washington Utah is an intriguing matchup. Three thirty at Fox. That's going to follow the Penn State game. So I'm I'm going to guess that's going to start on Fox Sports One or uh, FS Two or online Fox Sports because the big noon kickoff game is not going to be over by three thirty. What do you uh, think about that Utah watching game? Um, I I kind of feel bad for. I mean, Utah is definitely a good team, but I also kind of feel bad for them that they are they're going to go this whole season without Cam rising. He he is there. He's their guy. He's been there for what this would have been his third year starting. Mm-hmm. He's he's a hell of a quarterback, but that you lose a a big part of your team when you're starting quarterback of um, would have been three years, uh, is out for the season, and I, I just think Washington's their offense is too much to handle. They're going to score too many points, and I don't think Utah's going to be able to keep up. And even if Rising's around, he's not providing that on-field energy. Like sideline energy yeah. and on-field energy are just two completely different things. And oh, for sure. So, yeah, I yeah, I definitely think Washington's winning that one. Matchup of the week, though, I think is Tennessee Missouri. Tennessee is a two-point road favorite to Mizzou, and I think I think Missouri I think Missouri walks out victorious in that I, game. I agree. I agree. They they got them at home. Um, Tennessee really hasn't played well at all this year i mean it is what it is they are not the team that they were last year they lost Hendon hooker Jalen hyatt i mean they lose all their offensive power but missouri coming out of nowhere i mean they held in there with 
Georgia for the past years, the past two years, national champs. I mean, why, 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 why are we going to look overlook them just because Tennessee is, you know, good old Tennessee? And Tennessee's lost two games to Alabama yeah. and on the road at Florida. Their uh, their victories come against that uh, Virginia and Austin P and UTSA, South Carolina, Texas A and M was a good win, but uh. Tennessee is a bit of a fluky two-win team there. Somehow they're ranked 13th in the country, whereas Mizzou's yeah. two losses are home against LSU, a good LSU program, and a, a yeah. tough road loss to Georgia, um, yeah. and a road win, two ranked wins, one on the road at Kentucky, and then one earlier this mm-hmm. season against Kansas State. This yeah. this Missouri squad's really good. I mean, this, this, this is a Missouri act- squad we haven't seen. Probably since the time. Chase Daniel is Chase Daniel yeah. area era. Uh, let's see. The only other game I have, just let's see. Iowa plays Rutgers. That's going to be a low sc- over under of twenty eight. I'd slam the under on that. Yeah. Just slam the under there. Ole Miss Georgia. It's a nine, oh, dude. It's Iowa. You slam the under no matter what. <laughs> just just keep putting the pennies. Just keep putting pennies in the kettle there. Uh, Georgia Ole Miss. Ten and, Ten and a half I, point. Ten and a half point. I think Ole Miss is so overrated. I agree. I think like who they play? They played. Who they play last week? Uh, Texas A and M squeaked one out. Yeah, Vanderbilt they, they, they Vanderbilt they handled. They just, but yeah, I feel like these games that are like any bit of a challenge, it just keeps squeaking past. Yeah, and eventually that's going to bite you in the butt. Also. Jackson Dart is J A X O N. Hate that. Can't can't yeah. root for, can't root for that. You, I don't care. His parents did him dirty. You can't root for that. Uh, notable games: the Big Ten, um, Ohio State's home against Michigan on seven thirty primetime game on NBC. Texas is on the road at TCU. TCU just what a abysmal performance this year. Oh my! Yeah. Florida at LSU, the battle of uh, the SEC, former powerhouses. Duke UNC. If this was basketball, we probably care a little bit more about that. And the Pac-12 after dark is USC and Oregon. USC is probably going to lose their fourth game in a row, or uh, fourth sure. of their last fourth of their last five. So, uh, I, how the mighty have fallen. I'm starting to doubt Caleb Williams just a little bit. Yeah, I I had a conversation with somebody at work, and I told I told him Caleb Williams was going to be a bust, and uh, he had told me I was right earlier in the day, and he uh, he rescinded that comment after I told him that. So, uh, I just <laughs> it's the Pac-12, man. I, I you cannot yeah. trust you cannot trust stats against that defense, and and the one no. the one team that they played this year, he throws three picks against against Notre Dame. That's the one defense he's played. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I. Yeah, they're they're hyping them up, but everything I see is just like you can't score enough points against teams that can't play defense. Your team can't play defense. Like losing potentially your fourth game in the last five games, that's tough. And then they barely beat Cal. They beat Cal by one point. So, and they barely beat Arizona. In overtime, yeah. I believe I believe that game was in overtime. Yes. Arizona's ranked. I don't know if you've been listening, but I've been a massive Arizona fan this the past yeah. like, month. Ever since yeah, they barely about... lost to USC, I've been a big Arizona fan. Yeah, how about them? They they have turned things around quite a bit over the past few years. I remember was five years ago they were the, the laugh of the NCAA. Yes, sir, they were. So 
All right. I think that'll do it for us this week. We've rambled on long enough. Uh, just to recap, Justin has Penn State winning, and I'm uh, prepared to not be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> we will catch you. It'll probably be Joe and Jared on the on the wrap up with myself, Justin. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. And uh, tell your friends, tell your dog. This has been the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Mm-hmm.